there. You're listening to the Cary Church Podcast. We at Cary seek to be flourishing communities of hope, transformed by God's love, following Jesus and serving in God's world. To find out more on how to connect with us, go to cary.asn.au. We're going to read from Proverbs chapter 8. So if you have a Bible with you or your phone Bible, thank you, Pete. So we're going to read Proverbs chapter 8, starting at the first verse. It's going to be fast. You ready for it? Here we go. Does not wisdom call out? That's it. Good morning. Yes, she does. Yes, wisdom calls out. I'm just going to leave it there for the moment. We're actually going to read all of Proverbs 8 together this morning. Uh, What I did over at Harrisdale, I actually had somebody read that and then stop and pause and, and everyone was just hanging and waiting, what, what's coming next? And then I came out and I think, I don't know if the sigh was disappointment or surprise or what, but we just started off with, does not wisdom call out? And that's the introduction, I guess, to, uh, well, happy new year, happy new decade. We're not getting older, we're getting wiser, right? And it's the introduction to wisdom. Sometimes we say, I'm getting wiser, not older. Today we're talking about wisdom. Proverbs 8 is all about wisdom. Um, so now, I, I don't know if I introduced myself, Pete sort of did, I am another Peter, Peter Scott, serves as a senior pastor over at Harrisdale, so great to see you all again. Um, well, now, as we get into this biblical idea of wisdom, a quick disclaimer, uh, it's a bit daunting for a pastor, or I guess anyone, to preach on wisdom. Uh, I'm not claiming to have any wisdom, but that's why we're going to focus on the entire uh, book of, or not book. That would be a really big sermon, wouldn't it? The entire chapter of Proverbs chapter 8. Not my wisdom, but God's. And I want to start off by a little quiz, just to get the juices flowing on wisdom. I'm going to give you three statements. I want you to see, rhetorical, no no need to put your hands up. I want you to see if you can figure out which of these are out of the Bible. You ready? First one. The unexamined life is not worth living. Psalms or Proverbs. Hmm. Uh, Number two, the fool thinks he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. Number three, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. Confucius? What do you reckon? Statement one, two or three. Only one of those is from the Bible. Very good. I said rhetorical, but you're absolutely correct. Number one was Socrates. The unexamined life is not worth living. Number two, the fool thinks he is wise, but the wise man knows himself to be a fool. That was actually Shakespeare. Number three, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. That's Proverbs 19.20. Easy for me because I looked them up. But it's quite interesting that wisdom is something that Society revered, people have revered for ever since people have been around. Religions revere it, literature. Have a, have a listen to these three book titles. Manual for Living, A Little Book of Wisdom. That was the title of a book written by a Greek philosopher in the first century AD. Or how about this one? I bet some of you have read it. Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. Stephen Covey, yes, a bit of wisdom. Or, slightly more controversial, thought I'd throw this one in, Jordan Peterson, 12 Rules for Life. Yeah, now there's books all over the place about wisdom, over the centuries, over the millennia. It's something that I guess we as humans will probably say, yes, does not wisdom call out? That's why I just wanted to start with that very first sentence in Proverbs chapter 8. But what I really want to do this morning is walk through this 
whole proverb in several tranches and ask the question, what, what do we get out of this? And model this idea that we don't have to be in church to read the Bible and God to speak to us. But we're going to read this through together. And then at the end of it, I'm going to share a little bit about what I've got out of it. And I want you to be thinking, what is God saying to you as we go through? And, and to sort of help lead you a little bit, the first question to have in mind, we're going to read uh, verse 1 through 11. That's our first tranche. The first question is this, why is wisdom so desirable? Why is wisdom so desirable? So let's look at Proverbs 8, uh, verses 1 to 11. Does not wisdom call out? Does not understanding raise her voice? At the highest point along the way, where the paths meet, she takes her stand. Beside the gate leading into the city, at the entrance, she cries aloud, To you, O people, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, set your hearts on it. Listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true, for my lips detest wickedness. All the words of my mouth are just, none of them is crooked or perverse. To the discerning, all of them are right. They are upright to those who have found knowledge. Choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. For wisdom is more precious than rubies, and nothing you desire can compare with her. So what did you get out of that? What did you get out of those? Well, let me share a few things that stood out to me. The first thing is the visibility of wisdom. The visibility. It talks about being loud in the places where everyone will see. In the entrance, the, the gateway to the city, that's where people gathered. It talks about being at the highest point where the paths meet. Wisdom's not secret or covert. It, it's highly visible. I found that very interesting. Next, there's, there's a whole bunch of characteristics of wisdom in there. Wisdom is trustworthy, just, true, and is not wicked. And so if we answer that question, why is it desirable? Well, if all of these things are wisdom and wisdom is all of these things, there's this sense of, ah, you know, that's why we want it. It's trustworthy, it's just, it's true. And finally in this section, some, some what I think are quite outrageous comments. Wisdom, you should choose instead of silver, gold and rubies. Really? I did a little conversation with my family at home over dinner. And I said, well, what, what if I said to you, you get to walk into a room and on the table there are two things. You can only choose one to take away. There's a bar of gold. It's worth a million dollars. And on the other place, there's a, there's a little fortune cookie. It's been broken open and it has some wisdom. It says, take good counsel and accept correction. That's the way to live wisely and well. Which one would you choose, kids? And we came to the conclusion that you memorise the verse and take the gold. <laughs> Maybe that's a trivial way of looking at this idea of choose wisdom over gold. So let's have another think about the context that we might put this in. And rhetorical question, but over these holidays, I wonder if any of you have thought about finance anxiously perhaps about finance, about how we're going to pay off all the presents that we've just got, how are we going to afford next year. Maybe we've got kids that are going to school next year or more kids that are going to school or more bills. And one of the conclusions I think we often come to is, well, I need to focus on getting more gold. I need to focus on getting a new job or working longer or doing more. And I want to say that this might be a season where that's true. But here's what Jesus said. 
You might remember this. Jesus said, don't worry about what we shall eat or what we shall drink, but seek first his kingdom and righteousness. And I think that fits exactly with what this part of Proverbs 8 is saying. That if we seek wisdom, God's wisdom first, God provides all the other things. It doesn't mean that this isn't a season for a new job or for working longer hours. But it means if we're pursuing what God's asking first, then in that context, those things will come. So if we look at those first 11 verses, I think it seems wisdom is truly desirable. There's some great reasons to go after wisdom. But as we can continue now through uh, verses 12 through 21, I want you to think about what are some of the other benefits of wisdom. There are more. Wait, there's more. Let's read about them. Verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behaviour and perverse speech. Counsel and sound judgment are mine. I have insight. I have power. By me, kings reign and rulers issue decrees that are just. By me, princes govern and nobles, all who rule on earth. I love those who love me and those who seek me find me. With me are riches and honour, enduring wealth and prosperity. My fruit is better than fine gold. What I yield surpasses choice silver. I walk in the way of righteousness, along the paths of justice, bestowing a rich inheritance on those who love me and making their treasuries full. So what are some of these other benefits of wisdom? Well, in verse 12, we've got prudence and knowledge and discretion. Then it kept going into verse 14 and talked about sound judgment, insight, even power. But then we got to verse 18, 19, 21, which I found interesting. And they seem to start saying that the wisdom, benefits of wisdom include riches and wealth and prosperity. It's now fruit that surpasses gold and silver and a rich inheritance. Isn't that interesting? Earlier it was choose wisdom instead of. Now it's if you choose wisdom, all these things come along with it. Interesting how that fits together. And there are some clues in, in the detail of those verses. It says that wealth that comes from following wisdom is enduring. It's a richness that lasts. Now, again, I like referring to Jesus' statements. They're pretty good things to refer to. Jesus said, store up treasures in heaven where moth and rust can't destroy and thieves can't break in and steal. This idea that following God's wisdom brings enduring riches. And perhaps that these riches are not just about money. And it says, talks here about the fruit of the riches. Of course, we know that fruit, as a metaphor used in the New Testament, talks about things like love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness. And this is some of the richness and the wealth and prosperity that I think following God's wisdom brings. Now, I also love the phrase, what I yield surpasses choice silver. And that word yield, isn't it fascinating? Where else have you heard that? I don't, haven't heard that in many places other than investing. If I buy bonds or shares or stocks, it, it yields something. And there's this great idea, I think, here that when we invest our time, our energy in God's wisdom, there is a yield. That is an investment that we make. And there's a yield, and that yield surpasses financial gain. And I can't help but think of us at Cary with our vision in Cary's churches of being flourishing communities of hope. 
that that idea of flourishing is not about chasing financial gain, but it's about following God's wisdom. That flourishing is, this it's much broader than financial success. It's much deeper. Flourishing is about how we interact. It's about our relationships. It's about growing healthily. It's enduring and sustainable. And so I see that very much here, that our vision aligns with this idea of a yield that surpasses And finally, if I just touch on some of these things and we're flying through this, fascinating that there's a benefit of wisdom which is being able to lead well. Many of you are leaders in different fields. And it says here that even at the level of kings, princes and nobles, all who rule the earth, there's a connection between wisdom and justice, wisdom and insight, wisdom and the type of power that leaders have. So if I get to this point, I think it's a pretty compelling case. I'm feeling like, yes, I want to chase this wisdom. This sounds like a good idea. And I got to this point in preparing my sermon. I thought, well, here's a question that I want to ask myself. Therefore, I'm going to ask you. And I'm actually going to give you 30 seconds to talk about it with the person next to you. Or if you didn't come with someone, just to reflect on. I want you to think, who do you know that's wise? I see the wise is sitting down the back. I don't mean the surname. I mean, who do you know that has wisdom? And what's a little story about why you think that person's got wisdom? So how just have a think or a chat about that just for 30 seconds. Can you think that person? I think that person's wise and here's why. Well, there's a few conversations going on, a few people percolating. I want to I share with you somebody that I think is wise or thought was wise. My grandpa. My grandpa, I think, was a really, really wise guy. Now, he, not, not as in wise, you know what I mean. He's passed away now, but I used to go and visit him and I wasn't living in the same state. So I'd go and chat with Gramps and I would walk in the door. Here's my story about why he's wise. I would walk in the door and he had prepared 10 questions for me. Ten questions that he wanted to know about how my life was going. They were really interesting questions. And at the end of this one time, he said to me, Peter, you need to learn to forgive yourself. I thought, okay, yeah, Gramps, definitely I've done that. I believe in Jesus. It's all fine. Sort of brushed it off. But here's the thing about wise people. He didn't press that. He didn't repeat it. He just left it out there. And there was something that just played in the back of my mind. It's as if before he spoke or around what he spoke, there was something saying, listen, for I have trustworthy things to say. I open my lips to speak what is right. My mouth speaks what is true. This is wisdom that Gramps had. And I thought about those words afterwards for many weeks, in fact, months. And eventually I realized he was right at that time. And I took action. And the fruit of that action was worth so much more than if he'd given me a bar of gold that day. That's my story about a wise person. Let's read some more of Proverbs chapter 8. And here I've got an interesting question. I think it's an interesting question for you. 
What is wisdom's relationship with God? What is wisdom's relationship with God? We're going to read verses 22 through 31. The Lord brought me forth as the first of his works before his deeds of old. I was formed long ages ago at the very beginning when the world came to be. When there were no watery depths, I was given birth. When there were no springs overflowing with water. Before the mountains were settled in place, before the hills, I was given birth. Before he made the world or its fields or any of the dust of the earth. I was there when he set the heavens in place, when he marked out the horizon on the face of the deep. When he established the clouds above and fixed securely the fountains of the deep. And when he gave the sea its boundary, so the waters would not overstep his command. And when he marked out the foundations of the earth. Then I was constantly at his side. I was filled with delight day after day, rejoicing in his presence. Rejoicing in his whole world and delighting in humankind. Okay, we've just walked into some fairly deep theology here. What is wisdom saying? Now, the first observation that I have in this section, it actually started back in verse 4, but, but this section is all, do you know, in first person. Wisdom has clearly taken on a, a personality, a personhood, an identity. It's all I and me. We'll talk more about why that's important in a moment. The second thing is that wisdom's poured into creation. This idea that the very foundations of the earth have been made with wisdom. Now, I've just started watching, a, just trying to find something new on Netflix to watch, and I found this program called Our Planet, narrated by David Attenborough, the most amazing camera work you have seen, and the intricacy that it shows of creation is just amazing, and how it works and operates. There's wisdom that's built in, that was there at the beginning, that was used to create everything. And the big one, the question I asked you, what is wisdom's relationship with God? Well, it says wisdom was present at creation, existing before mountains, the watery depths were formed. It was then there when God marked out the foundations of the earth, rejoicing at his side when we humans were made. As a side note, the language here is fascinatingly like the book of Job. I don't know if you are familiar with the book of Job, but for 36 chapters in the book of Job, Job's asking God all these questions. Why this and why that? And so are his friends. And then in chapter 37, God comes along and he says, brace yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. It's my turn to ask the questions now. And the first question God asks is this. Where were you when I laid the earth's foundations? Job wasn't there. But Proverbs 8 tells us that wisdom was. And it leads me to two points. First one is no wonder wisdom is so important. This intimate, integral part of God. It's something we should aspire to and seek. But secondly, and here is the really interesting part from a theological perspective. What or who exactly is wisdom? Now I'm going to give you two, two options, if you like. Two schools of thought. People have thought about this over the millennia. Two schools of thought on the answer to that question, particularly related to Proverbs 8. Who or what is wisdom? The first school of thought says this, that wisdom is a part of God. It's a characteristic of God. It's like love. Love. God is love. It's a part of who God is. 
And the people who think this, they point back in Proverbs to chapters 5 and 7 where there's this idea of the immoral woman who represents folly. And they would say that this, this, that, that example and the idea that wisdom is part of God's character, it's a poetic use or a literary device to make wisdom into a person. It's just describing a part of God's character. That's one group. The other group, including much of the early church, see wisdom in Proverbs 8 as an integral part of God, but a distinguishable personality. A distinguishable personality. Now, why is that important? They would look at verse 30, for instance, which uh, in my version of the NIV said, I was constantly at his side. Now, I'm not sure what it's set up there, but some versions of the NIV uh, have, rather than I was constantly at his side, say I was the architect at his side. It's a much more specific thing saying that wisdom was a separate personality who had a part in creation. Paul, in 1 Corinthians one twenty four, the Apostle Paul says this, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. Paul refers to Jesus as the wisdom of God. This school of thought says that wisdom here is actually Jesus. Now, why is that important? It's actually really, really important because in the early church, they were looking to try and understand how does what we've believed about God through the Hebrew Bible interact with this Jesus person and the Holy Spirit. And so what we now believe, the Trinity, God the Father, Son and Holy Spirit, they would point to something like Proverbs 8 and say, look, Jesus was in the Bible all the time. Jesus has been referred to throughout the Old Testament scriptures. So, by the way, was the Holy Spirit. For example, in Genesis 1, 1 to 2, the first two verses of the Bible say this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. The earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, was hovering over the waters. So people would point to that and say there was the Holy Spirit right in the beginning of creation. And also in chapter 1 of Genesis, there's a reference, they would say, to the whole Trinity. God says, let us make humankind in our image. This is the Hebrew God, one God, Yahweh. Let us, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So Proverbs 8 is fascinating, and I won't go any more into this part of theology, but it's had a significant impact on the early church's view of how Jesus and the Holy Spirit are actually always been a part of God, and that's what we believe, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit as a Trinity. Proverbs 8 contributed to that. Let's finish off this amazing proverb. We're going to read verse 32 through 36. Now then, my children, listen to me. Blessed are those who keep my ways. Listen to my instruction and be wise. Do not disregard it. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life and receive favour from the Lord. But those who fail to find me harm themselves and all who hate me love death. So there's a final exhortation, I guess, for us to go after wisdom. And as I look at that, I, I, there are parts of that where I think, well, that's obvious. Don't disregard God's wisdom. Duh. And yet, and yet, I want to read you a little list of some of my excuses for disregarding God's wisdom. Maybe some of these will resonate. Maybe not. Maybe this is my last sermon. 
Sometimes I look at God's word and I think, well, I know better. Sometimes I think it doesn't apply to me and I find some excuse like, oh, it was just uh, the Israelites thousands of years ago. Sometimes I have the excuse of, oh, just, just do this once. It's not going to hurt anybody. And sometimes it's, I'll oh, just disregard dad's advice because I really want this. Isn't it strange how much in life we do disregard God's wisdom, even though we know it's good and true and has fruit. And that brings me to being so thankful for his grace and mercy. But there's also wonderful encouragement, partly in how not to disregard, but partly in how to follow God's wisdom. I love the phrase, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. And I think there are decisions in life, there are seasons of life where that could be our main part of scripture that we focus on, just to be waiting daily at God's door, waiting at his doorway for his wisdom in his time. It's a picture for me, at least, of a, a devoted servant who knows that there is nothing better to be doing than just waiting here at the doorway for that wise person, God, to give me advice. Now, before I close, just a couple of, well, one, one point that I want to add in here. As we've read through this, to me, it seems compelling. Wisdom is, is clearly something that I want to go after. There's silly reasons that I disregard it. There's deep reasons that I do, but, but wisdom is something I want to go after. And as I read this, it seems that if I do that, things should work out well. There's prosperity and there's riches and there's fruit and it's all going to be good. At a, at a deep level, I'm not expecting instant happiness and gratitude, but at a deep level. And yet, there are times in life where this doesn't seem to work. Why? Well, if I could answer that, that would be amazing. But I can't. I don't have those. But what I do see in the Bible is that a book like Proverbs tells things according to God's sort of big plan. But God has also said, you know what? Life is more complicated than that. And so he's given us Job and Ecclesiastes, for example, as books where in Job, for instance, Job was following God's wisdom, but there were things beyond, beyond his knowledge and understanding that created circumstances which made his view of the world just a really difficult one. I think I followed God's wisdom and yet all this has happened. And so I just want to encourage you that if you're walking through a valley, if you're going through a tough time where, you know what, God's wisdom, somehow it doesn't seem to be working, or maybe you know somebody in that situation, my encouragement is to continue to hang on to God's wisdom. It's not that it doesn't work. It's that sometimes we just don't have that full picture, and sometimes for long periods of time. What we do know, though, is that there is one who walks alongside us, Paul called him the wisdom of God. It's Jesus. Verse 35 in this proverb says, those who find me find life. Those who find me find life. And there are all these principles here around the depth of life that comes from following God's wisdom. But even more, whether that was explicitly referring to Jesus or not, it's clear that those who find Jesus find life. Even today, in Forestdale, in 2020, our best come from following God and following Jesus. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, your wisdom. It's beyond what we can understand.
and yet something that we see is true and just and righteous and that we want to follow. Father, would you give us courage to do that? Even perhaps when times seem dark, when we don't understand our circumstance, to hold on to you, to seek your wisdom, to follow your word. And may we find life, abundant life, as we do that. Lord Jesus, thank you that we can follow you. Thank you that those who find you do find that life. And we just pray that as we seek to be and make disciples, that you would continue to grow us and bless us. Amen.